The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Okay, well, great. I'm so glad that uh, you joined us again. Uh, might be a tough show to do because, I don't know, is there anything to talk about? Did anything happen last week? Let me just check my notes here and see what I can find. Uh, oh, the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. <laughs> How could I forget? I was there. Probably the most miserable day I ever spent, and I, I was there for Justify. Uh, it was kind of like nothing could go right uh, on Derby Day. The rain was on and off. Uh, you'd go in, you'd go out, you'd put your poncho on, take your poncho off. Uh, and, uh, you know, the track, extremely uh, muddy. Uh, you know, as, as much as they tried to maintain it, as soon as they'd float it, the rain would come again. And uh, they still got the turf races in, and uh, they, they went fairly well. Uh, you had uh, a smattering of long shots uh, mixed in with favorites. Uh, you had, uh, you know, just a, a little bit of everything going on until the roof caved in when they went to post and turned for home in the Kentucky Derby. And uh, I'll just tell you that I've got uh, two people that uh, had something to do with the weekend. Uh, first guest is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Joel Politti. And uh, if you watched the Kentucky Oaks, you saw Serengentry Empress go from flag fall to that's all in the Kentucky Oaks. And uh, a lot of people didn't think he could get it done and paid a tidy uh, 20-something. And quite frankly, I was a believer, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, with us is going to be the owner of Serengentry Empress. And uh, I Listening to my producer, Josh, talk to me on my headphones. I just want to make sure I get everything straight. But, yes, it was Serengetri Empress um, who got the job done. And Dr. Joel Politti, who grew up on just a small farm in uh, central Ohio, uh, they raised uh, they raised everything from stakes winners to $5,000 claimers. And now he's had his greatest day in the sun. So we're going to be talking to Dr. Joel Politti about uh, Sarah Gentry Empress and the fact that uh, there was a lot of non-believers in her after uh, her Fairgrounds Oaks uh, race where she finished up the track and was actually vanned off. As you know, a lot of conversation about Lasix kicked in uh, after that. And all I can say is hats off to Tom Amos, who did a fantastic job uh, getting her back to the races. And uh, then a guy that uh, has to keep his eye on all the races, uh, gentlemen I respect very much in the racing game, and that is Eric Wing, uh, who uh, is the pilot of horse tourneys. Uh, he'll tell us about any upcoming tourneys and maybe what happened over the weekend. But mainly I want to get his read on the uh, – let's say, uh, in very interesting Kentucky Derby. So I'm not going to give my read on it until until we get Eric Wing 
uh, w- with us here from from Horace Turney's. Now, let's not forget the guy that was supposed to be the star of the show, and that was Omaha Beach. And by the way, he underwent successful epiglottis surgery. Uh, as I told you, it's not a major surgery. It just has to do with a flap in the horse's throat. They said everything uh, went great. Uh, and he's going to go back under the shed row of Richard Mandela and they're going to regroup. A lot of people putting pressure on him to try to get into a triple crown race, uh, particularly perhaps the Belmont stakes because they thought, well, this will give the horse a little more time to train. But uh, pretty much, uh, you know, Richard uh, said that uh, he's going to just take his time and probably look uh, for a uh, attack on the the summer series of racing uh, for three-year-olds. And, of course, we know that all accumulates with meeting your elders in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Hopefully, he will get there. All right, if you're wondering what happened, if you had, like I had, Instagram keyed in the uh, Pat Day Mile, uh, it turns out, sad to say, that this regally bred horse uh, sustained a sesamoid fracture during the Pat Day Mile. You've got to remember, this horse, you don't think he's good looking, sold for $1.2 million. Uh, he goes to the stable of OXO's Larry Best, if that's how you pronounce it. So you got a million-dollar baby who, sad to say, is going to be on the sidelines. I know they've had a lot of offers for him as far as maybe, you know, becoming a stallion. He's such a beautiful horse. But they said, you know, he's got such a great heart and a big mind. He's so fast. Uh, they're just going to hope for a good recovery. And uh, so he's going to be out of commission for a pretty good period of time. Uh, but, uh, you know, Jerry Hollendorfer is not going to do anything to put his horses in peril. So uh, if you wondered why Instagram didn't get the job done in the Pat Day Mile, he does have an excuse. Now, um, we know that the connections of maximum security, who, big secret here, the horse that was disqualified from first in Saturday's Kentucky Derby, um, that the owners uh, had the chance to meet with the stewards today to review the film of the race, according to Kentucky's chief state steward, Barbara Borden. And because uh, Gary West uh, requested an immediate meeting uh, the day of the race, there were still races being run, and, uh, you know, the stewards uh, kind of denied that request and said, look, let us get through the day, through the weekend, and then when we come back to live racing, we'd be more than happy to meet with you. But uh, the connections of Maximum Security uh, did not respond to the request for the meeting uh, today. So we know that uh, West did file for an appeal, the decision with the Kentucky Horse Racing uh, Commission, and he said other legal options uh, will uh, perhaps remain open uh, to dispute the decision. Uh, so uh, they did leave the door open. A lot of people are saying, why did they come down and read a prepared statement? Well, I think the answer to that is, quite honestly, that they probably thought there was going to be some kind of legal action and a race of this magnitude, and uh, it best not go you know, live with uh, comments to the media. Uh, about the race, so they just read a prepared statement about about the Kentucky Derby. Um, so, uh, as far as the jockey of the week, it was Ricardo Santana, 
and uh, what a, re- a week he had uh, after the Kentucky Derby weekend. Uh, he deserved uh, accomplishments. There were so much eyes on the Derby, but he won four races on Derby Day. How about that? Uh, with a win in the Humana, this staff with me and Mischief, uh, the second highest price in the field. Next race as well, the $500,000 Churchill Downstakes with the favorite, Mitoli. And then uh, after that, uh, he went on to win two others. So congratulations. He is one class act. Top markets for the Kentucky Derby, in case you're wondering who's watching. Number one, Louisville. No big surprise there. Then Cincinnati, Fort Myers, Indianapolis, Knoxville, Dayton, Ohio, and Buffalo were tied for sixth. West Palm Beach, Tampa, Columbus, Providence, Boston, and Cleveland very proud of the Buckeye State. Very well represented. Well, I know I've only got a couple of minutes left here uh, before we get on with Dr. Politti. And uh, let's go over. Uh, hopefully, uh, you were someplace where you were able to bet on the whole card. And it was just a sensational day on Saturday and Friday. Uh, on Saturday, though, the grade one Humanitis staff went to, as we just stated, Ricardo Santana and Mia Mischief, horse for course. This horse now, Churchill down, six starts, three wins and two seconds, won by a length and three quarters, but was no favorite, paid $25. The favorite was Marley's Freedom, who ran second as the odds on choice, who rallied and was gaining, but didn't get there in time. And third was the five. Amy's challenge. Another uh, bit of a long shot here in the uh, Distaff Turf Mile, a grade two, the winner, Bo Recall, Irad Ortiz, who had a heck of a weekend himself, Brad Cox train, went from last to first to win the Distaff Turf Mile by a length and a quarter over Got Stormy, who had the lead but had to give it up. And third was the five, Daddy is a Legend offspring of scat daddy in the churchill downs the grade one as we said it was ricardo santana with matoli went off as the favorite one by three and a half links over bobby's wicked one another one that got tired in the mud and holding on for third was promises fulfilled then it was the american turf the winner digital age at eight to one this horse is now undefeated in three lifetime starts came from off the pace this time, I read Ortiz Jr. riding for Chad Brown. Second, one of the favorites, a thread of blue. And third, the eventual favorite was Social Paranoia, who got bet down in the race. Tenth race, we talked about the Pat Day Mile. Uh, the winner was number seven, Mr. Money, who got up by three quarters of a length, rallied from ninth to get the win away from Hog Creek Hustle. Third was the nine. Now, Instagram that we mentioned earlier, who had the sesamoid, uh, uh, faded to eighth in that race. Uh, the 11th race, the old Forrester Turf Classic. Wow, what a horse. Bricks and Mortar is now won over $3 million. Uh, got bumped at the eighth pole and got up. Who was riding? Irad Ortiz Jr. Who was training? Chad Brown. I was right down there for that one. Just got up by a half a length after having some trouble over Kurban. And uh, in the third spot was the sixth, Clyde's Image. So, uh, as you know, uh, the next race will be talked about for many, many years to come. Uh, The eventual 
$132.40 winner was Country House, breaking from the 20 post. On the inside, it was 13 Code of Honor, 15, 20, and 980. And third was Tacitus, who paid 560. And uh, Maximum Security, who was probably the best horse, but uh, was involved in the trouble on the turn, I believe got moved down to 17th because he had to go behind long-range toddy that was involved in the chain reaction. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk to a gentleman that uh, has ended up with one of the greatest fillies of her generation, Serengeti Empress, and that is none other than Dr. Joel Politti. What a dedicated man, this guy, and what a resume that he has. So I'm John Engelhart. This is Winning Ponies. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, if you listened to the show last week, you heard me allude to the horse who was the eventual winner, uh, Serengeti Empress, saying I thought she had a really good shot at going from flag fall to that's all. And I also told you that I watched the morning gallops during the week, and I was not uh, impressed with the way Bellafina was taking to the track. She was taking rather short, uh, choppy uh, uh, steps, but that doesn't show in her past performances uh, where she just looks sensational. Lifetime record of over a million dollars from eight starts and six victories. So she was bet off the favorite and instead got really good odds on Serengeti Empress. I don't know if he bet or not, but I know he decided to go down. Dr. Joel Politti, thanks for joining us. Hey, happy to be here. 
what's it like? I go back and read your resume. What's it like to be the smartest guy in every room you walk into? <laughs> Get out of here, right? So uh, I'm a very fortunate person, and um, and uh, you know, I, I'll I'll be humble about that, right? Well, you can, but I can just tell you, if people uh, Google your resume, uh, they're going to see quite a, uh, a unique individual. And I'm going to share a story with our audience to tell them what a, uh, a dedicated orthopedic surgeon you are. And w- w- because of HIPAA laws, no names will be involved. But number one, I have a good friend that you replaced his hip. And number two, the Kentucky Oaks was on Friday about six o'clock. And the, the next morning, about 6 o'clock, you were at the bedside of my friend's wife getting ready for surgery. That is unbelievable. Most guys I know would have gone on a bender for three days. <laughs> well, some things, you know, at, at, at some point, I just, I'm, I'm not a great sleeper. So I'm a little bit of a worrier. And, uh, and I worry about everything. So, yeah, I was in the next morning. It was about 6 a.m. You're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just I'm talking to my friend who is involved in racing. Uh, you know, let's just say he's with the racing commission. Again, no names involved. And he said you did a great job on him and it was helping his wife uh, in, a, in a big way. Let's rewind real quick because I remember having you on months ago uh, when Sarah Gentry Empress, I think, was uh, – you know, going into, it was after she won the Rachel Alexander, I think, and she was getting ready to go into uh, the Fairgrounds Oaks, where she went in a very, very heavy favorite. Now, uh, you were watching that race. What went through your mind when you saw her kind of hit that wall? Well, you know, the Fairgrounds Oaks, we had uh, had a big crew there, my whole family. We were I think the two to five favorite. And uh, I, I felt so confident about that race because in the Rachel Alexandra, she really wasn't cranked up all the way. She went out and dominated that race. Her splits and final time were really about the same as Warrell Will. Um, and I thought in the Fairgrounds Oaks that it was going to be, and, and I never think anything, I don't take anything for granted, but I, I thought that day we were going to win. And um, she was cruising along really pretty effortlessly and then she just retreated and uh the scariest thing was that you know james graham pulled her up and uh stopped on the track and then at that point we were um you know i didn't know what was going on tom ran out on the track i followed him out on the track and at that point i realized uh we realized she had bled at least that was uh better than we all know what could have been right when the horse pulls up Right. But uh, but it was it was really deflating, you know. Uh, you know when you go from the high, the game is full of highs and lows, and that was a low, right? A- absolutely, you know. And I, I read your comments uh, on different places about uh, your belief in uh, the talents of Tom Amos and uh, being on his shed row and taking a look at every horse and how they, they all they all look fantastic. Now, so you, you had to put this horse in his hands and believe that uh, he, could, he could bring her back. Now, obviously, there's a lot of debate, which I think is silly, about the, the use of Lasix. And uh, I, I think that uh, she obviously had to benefit from that and from other uh, 
techniques that Tom used. Did he kind of tell you along the way? Because all of a sudden I realized that he was intentionally, uh, take this word lightly, stressing her in her last two workouts because I think he really wanted to see is she lead again or is she back to her old self? And in return, she gave you two solid bullet workouts at Churchill Downs. She did. Uh, um, you know, we gave her a break, and, and she never looked bad afterwards. She'd never bled before, and she's and she didn't bleed after that. And um, and she's so effortless. Um, her second work is is posted on um, uh, YouTube, and you can look it up and take a look at it. And if you look, uh, she actually works against another one of my fillies, and they went um, around the track about two seconds. She was two seconds faster than any other horse that day except for my filly. And she went by mine who was just scrubbing hard and Serengeti was just, uh, you know, Tyler Gaffley almost on the day and he never moved. Um, it was so effortless and so fast. Um, it was definitely a wow work. And that's what kind of gave uh, Tom uh, confidence that, you know, she was fine. Although it was a, a stress work, she really wasn't going that hard. And if you look at the, um, at the Oaks, it's about the same splits as she went in the Oaks. I mean, she was just clipping along. She's got a cruising speed that just lets her go. Well, we're talking with Dr. Uh, Joe Politti, the owner of uh, Serengeti Empress. Um, that had to be a very anxious walk back to the barn for Tom after that last workout to, to have her checked out and to make sure that whatever methods he had used, uh, either the time off uh, or the addition of Lasix, uh, not that it was an addition, she always raced on it, um, had worked. And that just had to be a huge sigh of relief. It was, you know, um, Tom puts a lot of pressure on himself, and and also the scrutiny of of the whole world uh, is on the racing world right now you know, medication, um, all the issues out West. And, um, and so, uh, you know, thinking that, you know, the, the, that everything's under the microscope, um, you know, the last thing we want to do, uh, besides all that was the wrong thing by the horse. And so, um, so yeah, he, it was a pretty anxious or, or anticipated, um, scope afterwards and, and she was clean as a whistle. That that's fantastic. Now, uh, it, Joel, if you don't want to comment on this, you don't, but it's it's an issue that I think needs to be dealt with. And, and you, as a physician, look out for your patients, and if you know there's something you could do to make them feel better that obviously isn't going to make them run faster, <laughs> um, I'm sure you use it. Uh, what is your feel about this, what I feel is a knee-jerk reaction of uh, trying to, uh, you know, remove Lasix uh, from from use in race. Well, uh, you know, um, there are are bigger racing minds that have put their thoughts on this, but um, I, I agree with your statement of it's a knee jerk reaction. In that, um, you know, those those the breakdowns happened at Santa Anita, and that was a really bad thing, and. Um, and I think everybody can agree Lasix had nothing to do with that. And all of a sudden, breakdowns happen. I, I, you get some smart people in a room, and you'll hear a bunch of very good ideas about what you should do about that. Um, pre-race bet checks, uh, higher scrutiny on um, uh, you know, what happens to horses before um, 24-hour uh, you know, pre-race watch. However you want to uh, spell it, you want to 
ensure more safety. Um, there's a lot of good ideas. Track surface, obviously, um, but Lasix has nothing to do with that. So uh, when you say knee-jerk reaction, I couldn't agree more. Well, I, I had Dr. Er- uh Eric Hamill back on. I'm not, you're the doctor. He's not, but he could be one. He got a degree in animal sciences from LSU, and he's the head of the HBPA. So uh, this guy knows what he's talking about. And, you know, he just said, whoa, folks, uh, let's, let's not, you know, let, let, let's not uh, overreact to what has happened here because, you know, if we eliminated that, uh, there's a lot of horses that would not be at the races. And they race just fine. It's, it's, it's uh, not performance enhancing. But all I know is my, my son was an athlete, and if he came out of every soccer game with a bloody nose and I had a uh, – medication to give him that it would stop it i sure darn would but again it, it doesn't affect the performance and uh you know i i, I gotta assume because it's in the program that uh you know tom uses as a tool and uh, another friend of mine has a horse in training with tom who as a two-year-old his very first workout went in 34 and change but sadly bled and so tom being the trainer is says hey we're gonna back off a little bit let's see if it runs its course um, and we'll just take it from there so he, he, he is really a sharp guy and you also alluded to in your in your post-race interview uh, how much trust and faith that that you put in tom amos yeah so uh, i spent a ton of time around him um tom's a really smart guy he's a really thoughtful uh, person he's a family man he's um uh in every way uh you know i think a role model for what you would kind of aspire to be in that, uh, position. And, um, and, uh, and he spends every day at the track. He touches every horse he's with them. Um, and, and he knows exactly what's going on. So he's got his finger on the pulse and that's what it takes to be successful. Well, um, you, everything you just said kind of, uh, leads to my next question. And that is, Tom knows he's got a firecracker in the barn, uh, but I don't think he's going to blow it off every weekend just to have the the, the, the fun and fireworks. Um, so I, I got a feeling that there's not even a specific plan for Serengeti Empress. I could be totally wrong, uh, Dr. Politi, but uh, you, you tell me. Do you talk to him you know, every couple of days, and are you guys looking down the road? I know he's not going to rush her into the black-eyed Susan or anything like that. Right, so we're we're def he said that, but we're definitely not uh, publicly. We're definitely not going to the Black Eyed Susan, and um, uh, a lot of this week was um, for for both of us uh, just letting the whole thing sink in, and for her just letting her uh, do her thing this week. So we really haven't scripted anything out uh, past this, but um, you know uh, we we both believe that she was as good as she showed on. Um, Friday, and, and I think that really you haven't even seen her, you know, top level performance yet, and uh, and so um, you know we'll we'll make a plan. We're actually going to meet this weekend and just kind of go through what some short and long term goals are, um, and uh, and and it won't. You're right; it won't be running once every three weeks. That's for sure. Uh, well, Dr. Politi, um, as far as uh, what you said would be long-range plans, I want to go to the longest plan. Now that you've got su- such a marvelous animal in your ownership, um, down the road, 
and this is probably something maybe you even can't answer. Do you plan on keeping her and making her a part of your broodmare band, or will she eventually? I'm guessing you've already had your phone ringing from sheiks and people like that that would love to give you a, a nice check to, to buy her. Uh, do you have a long-range plan for her? Well, it's pretty interesting. You know, um, I had uh, my phone blow up after she won the Ellis Park Juvenile, and then again after she won the Pocahontas. And I kind of made it clear at that point that I had no interest in selling. And interestingly, uh, it hasn't rang once really since. I have some friends that are agents and brokers down in Kentucky, and so they know that she's not for sale right now. And um, and so uh, somebody Philly is magical as that. She's really become to our family a big part of our family. Um, I, my daughters, but my wife are just in love with her and. Um, you know, you can't be emotional about everything, but we, we're not really thinking about selling her. And the long-term plan will probably be to keep her. But, um, but uh, you know, we're so early in where she is right now. I guess anything's possible, but certainly no plans on selling her. Well, as a extremely successful uh, board-certified orthopedic surgeon, I don't think you're hurting for the money. And and now she's put a million dollars in your pocket. So, yeah, it's not like you've got to do that to pay the rent for sure. It would be really neat, especially it, it's so nice that, uh, you know, as young as you and your family are, that you might have the opportunity to watch little Serengeti's uh, grow up down the road. Uh, you know, uh, it, it just could be a continuing very neat story uh, of which this is for a guy that uh, whose father started with with horses i talked to a friend of mine gary falter uh, who said he used to keep his horses at your farm and ended up with a stakes winner uh you know to to go from that uh humble beginnings uh, to the uh one of the most recognized philly races in the world uh has to just be an amazing feeling it really is and and I, I kind of feel that that that'll be our path is, um, you know, uh, she's kind of the golden ticket. And um, and and at this point, uh, you know, holding on to her and and letting her do all kinds of special things like she has um, and continue going forward is is a dream. And 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 uh, you're right. Having little baby Serengeti's running around would be just another chapter in that dream. huh? <laughs> the stallions will be knocking your door down. I don't think you'll have to go around worrying about stud fees, but uh, Dr. Joel Politti, <laughs> thank you so much for, for taking time to talk with us on Winning Ponies tonight. Uh, I'm so so happy for you as a member of the Ohio Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners. Uh, I, I know that you did purchase a horse out of our sale. Uh, I, I think it was a Take Charge Indy, so I hope that horse is going to be going good for you, and uh, I'll be in touch with you. I'll be tracking your horse, and I wish you nothing but the best down the road. Well, I appreciate all the goodwill, and um, and uh, you know my Ohio roots are strong, and and uh, I hope to support the Ohio program as well. So uh, it's a great, the whole thing's a great story. Well, uh, all right. Well, I've been honored to have uh, Dr. Joel Politi, the owner of Sarah Gany Empress, uh, with us here on the first segment of Winning Ponies. We're going to take a. Uh, a uh, little break, and then we're going to take flight on the big races at Belmont and his uh, views of the Kentucky Derby with none other than Eric Wing. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, a man that I now consider a friend of mine. Met him many, many years ago in a high-end bar in Arizona. We were at the symposium together, just happened to sit down at the bar stool next to him. And what what knocked me off my bar stool, a lot of things have over my life, but uh, Eric Wing was once the editor of Reader's Digest, uh, which was uh, a staple uh, in the Englehart household for those of us uh, sitting on the uh, uh, porcelain uh, prints. And uh, so that's one thing. But uh, he's it was great. Whoever wrote his bio, if you just if you go to our the site, you'll see that Eric Wing is one of the most intelligent observers of the sport of thoroughbred racing. He has served in numerous capacities as a publicist and marketing, but is certainly a man who can watch a race keenly and come away with a decisive opinion. In the wave of reaction to the first ever disqualification of a Kentucky Derby, we will be anxious to listen to Eric's view. Eric Wing. I'm anxious. Take me through your opinion of the race. And by the way, I think you wrote that bio, didn't you? You deserve the credit for that. (laughs) I would never write that, write all that gushy stuff about myself. (laughs) Well, it's all true. That's all I can tell you. It's all true. Doesn't matter who wrote it. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I've been refraining from giving my opinion on the Derby DQ because I, I feel like every opinion that's out there I've heard stated like 25 different times already. Um, I, I'll say kind of along the lines of what others have said, <clears throat> I thought the horse should have come down. 
like he did. Uh, yes, it was too bad that uh, the stewards didn't blink all the numbers, or it wasn't a little more apparent or clear exactly what the uh, DQ or, or objection inquiry, whatever you want to call it, involved in real time. The one thing, John, that even, what, what is it now, four days later, five days later from the race? Yeah, that's all. The, 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 the thing I don't understand is why the average person out there who's making a judgment, either you know in his living room or wherever, is still looking at that stupid NBC tape. Now, now they did a marvelous job of, of covering the derby, of the races, the undercard, but they just did not have the money shot when it came to that DQ. The money shot was what was on the Churchill Downs in-house feeds that the stewards were looking at and that Churchill did show. Um, if somebody wants to go on Twitter, I know Scott Carson's, Twitter feed has the proper, and I don't mean proper in that, you know, because the horse came down, but just the best angle. It, there, there's no comparison. And, I, I, you know, I can't believe Churchill Downs themselves haven't made more effort to put it out because, if anything, it, I think it would sort of back up their stewards and maybe tamp down some of the, some of the anti-DQ sentiment that's still out there. You know, I, it sounds like you've been reading my response to all. I had so many people. I had people I haven't talked to in a year calling me up and sending me emails going, John, what, what happened? You know, uh, you know you're, you're Mr. Racetrack guy. And so I finally just wrote my synopsis, okay, of what one short fat guy saw, you know, who's, who's been, you know, going to the races since he was eight years old. And I'm totally in lockstep with you. Was it the right call? Yeah. Did everybody like it? No. I've got good friends that lost thousands of dollars that had live pick fours going to maximum security. But as you said, you've got to look at these other views. I saw one view uh, that, uh, unlike the CBS feed, shows – I mean, it was a pretty sweeping move. Uh, some people are, like, tempering it with, well, he saw this light on a puddle and he just moved out a path. No. He swept – out, okay. The other thing was, um, I talked to John Court, uh, who was on Long Range Toddy, who was right there. I talked to John for a half an hour on Monday, and you know he was there to see everything. Okay, uh, he never his goggles never got derby till the end end of the race when he finally you know, was hopelessly beaten and just didn't abuse the horse. And uh, he was kind of looking at it in two ways. Number one, um, Louis says without a doubt, changed his paths. The other thing was, is Flavian Pratt probably had no reason to be running up on his ass. He either should have dropped inside or waited till there was more room outside, but that's the whole idea of fanning horses out is, yeah, you're taking away their time and their lengths. And the, the scariest thing to me was the one angle where you actually see the left foreleg of War of Will twice go between the hind legs of maximum security. And what John Court told me is you have no idea how close we came to seeing the biggest tragedy in horse racing history. Yeah, I, I don't know, John, that I've ever seen, and, and there's some great photographers in the sport, yourself among them. 
I don't know that I've ever seen a photograph quite like that. You know that you know that in turf racing it gets tight, and sometimes you have an awful situation where horses clip heels. But I don't know that I've ever seen a photo quite like that where one of a horse's legs, forelegs, is almost smack dab in between the hind legs of a horse uh, directly in front. And and I know that the West Camp, or, or there there are some who are saying that uh, War of Will caused the uh, caused the uh, the incident. But I, I will say when you when one and and this is along what you just said when you look at the proper uh, videotape, the proper angle for this, not not what you saw on NBC. Um, what took place was not a drift out; it was a swerve. And, yes. um, there, there was nothing subtle. You and I have seen all the time, John, and especially folks who watch New York racing, kind of the, you know, the gradual drift out, push the horses outside of you farther out, um, is often allowed. It, it, it's often let go. Um, this just was just too abrupt though. It wasn't a gradual drift out and then kind of make a course correction thereafter. This was a swerve out for whatever reason. Uh, I'm not smart enough or, or psychic enough to know what caused it. Um, and, and then, you know, a very quick, uh, I might call it overreaction uh, to go down and engage with, uh, with Code of Honor on the rail. So it, it, it was... Yeah. It was unique from a number of standpoints. I think the word we're hearing more and more that just has popped up over the last couple of years is herding, you know, and these are herd mm-hmm. animals. And it's kind of a, you know, I guess maybe you could call it race riding. But, uh, you know, something other people, here's a, all right, let me, let me rewind. There's a couple things that I want to point out and you can comment on them is number one, Barb Borden. The, the senior state steward met with the jockeys an hour before the race and called them all in a circle and said, gentlemen, this is the biggest race in the world. We don't want anything to happen out there. You know, so you've got to be extremely careful. No hijinks. Be careful of what you're doing out there uh, because the, the uh, what you do is going to reflect on racing for the rest of our history. This is a historic race, ride a clean race, and, you know, let's just move on from there. So, you know, the fact that most people don't know that, number one, Barb Borden came down and met with him. Now, the other thing was, on the other side of the coin, is a lot of people don't know that John Court claimed foul. So here here are two things that I think would have put Joe Sixpack to rest that's watching the race. Number one, they say, Country House claimed foul against the winner. Well, you go back and look at the race and you go, well, he was nowhere near that horse. That horse never bothered him. Okay. What they don't know is long-range Toddy's rider claimed foul. So all they put up was the objection of Flavian Pratt, who appeared not to be interfered with. Now, he did end up in the chain reaction being floated out, so he did feel like he lost links on the horse. And it could have been a length and three quarters. I don't know. That's all he was beaten by. But nonetheless, if only they would have said, well, this is going to take time to watch. 
let's click on that inquiry sign and announce that there's been a second claim of foul. I think right away that would have taken the anxiety level of a lot of people down. And I think people would have watched the race differently knowing that, whoa, okay, it's not it's not just this horse that finished, you know, out in the five path. There's other horses involved here. Let's go back and look at that. Uh, so I just feel that the, a lot of the fire could have been put out if communication would have been sent to the general public that there was a second objection and that the stewards are now, you know, making it an inquiry. I, I couldn't agree more, John. I think uh, it, it would have it, what it, it would have done is, like you just said, for the non-serious racing fan, it would have taken away the reaction of some that, wow, that's really unfair. The guy who's claiming foul wasn't affected, and he's going to be the beneficiary of a big gift. Um, it, it, whereas if, if court's objection had been uh, announced, logged, um, made more clear, then, then the casual observer, of which there are many at, at derby time, uh, might have realized that the incident went went beyond just the top two finishers. Yeah, and you know, and I have the utmost respect for Gary and Mary West. Um, and like I said, probably if he had been ridden without any of that other BS going on, maximum security would have gone on and won the Kentucky Derby. Anyhow, they wanted to speak with the stewards right away, and they thought that they were shunned. Well, they still had a couple of races to be stewards for. You know, They couldn't just do it, and I also stated at the top of the show, I think the reason they gave a prepared statement was they knew there was probably going to be a lawsuit coming, so they're not going to open this up to the friggin' media You know, that's going to ask them any kind of question. You know what's coming at you. So here's their statement. And then what they did was they invited the West to come back. They said, hey, we can't do it today. You know, we, we're still doing our job here and making sure we get everything straight. But when we come back to live racing, which was today, they said, you're more than welcome. If you want to come up and meet with us, we'll be there to meet with you. And neither the West nor a representative of them came to the stewards today. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that, John. I mean, it is the Derby, and and I don't know. It was something precluding the stewards from coming in on Sunday. Um, I, I know it was the you know Thursday was the next racing day, but I, I don't think the optics of that were great to say. Well, you know, uh, Thursday. Well, if you want, um, you're right. They had two more races to go after the Derby. Um, I, I think maybe that film session or that sit-down that you're referring to might have been good for uh, the West. I, I don't know how you could see that version of the tape and think that that nothing was amiss. But anyway, um, we'll see where it goes. And uh, it, it's, it's certainly, as, as I uh, wrote on the Horse Tourney's blog, it's certainly a derby we won't soon forget. And we, we, it may not be uh, our idea of, a, of our favorite derby, but it, it's, it's one that we're probably never going to forget. No, that's true. But, it, you know, it, quite frankly, I came away feeling terrible. It was, uh, everybody's like, hey, Johnny, how was the derby? I said, it was the worst derby I ever went to on a lot of levels. So, anyhow. Well, well, thanks for your opinion, and uh, we are talking with Eric Wing from Horse Tourneys. Real quick, because we're probably going to have to really jam these Belmont races in. Um, 
what's going on with horse attorneys? Because I do understand, even though we're not going to have anybody going for the Triple Crown, that you guys got something big leading into the Preakness. Yeah. Um, oh, thanks for, for, for asking about that, John. Um, we, we've got our full complement of tournaments this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We have, uh, on Saturday, we have an up to $30,000 tournament with 17000 guaranteed. Qualifiers to the NHC and the BCBC, all the usual great uh, stuff. But a week from Saturday on Preakness Day, we have a special $75,000 guaranteed tournament. Um, it's about, it's, uh, it's not cheap to enter. It's $495, but we'll guarantee 795, or I'm sorry, 75,000, even if just 20 people show up. So it's, uh, even by our standards, John, that's a lot of money for us to be giving away. So, uh, we urge people to check out horsetourneys.com and, and whether you play that tourney or one of our, uh, uh, lower-end tournaments, uh, I think people have a lot of fun with it. Well, I'm, I'm sure they will. Well, uh, people are going to have a lot of fun at Belmont Park, but I really, you know, it just amazes me, and uh, we've said this before, you know, and it's the kind of the way of the world that you can have these big money races that are graded that are only drawn like half a dozen horses into the field so let's see so it shouldn't be too hard for us in the next five minutes to power through these races but yeah, we'll start. there's only one race of the four with a decent sized field i know i know and i should probably skip to that one first but i just want to get to the first race uh, a yep. lot of people don't realize that the, the vagrancy which is one of the great races is going to be the first race on the card but you know you usually don't want these short field races being part of your pick threes pick fours and stuff like that and it is the vagrancy handicap uh and drew a very short field um i see the class edge going to separation of powers but I'll tell you what, a horse you better keep on your, well, I guess you got to keep it on your ticket, <laughs> as small as this field is, is it a little Ohio bred uh, by the name of Heaven Has My Nikki. Now, all of a sudden, she like moved up into the stakes ranks. Uh, she only got beat at the graded stakes ranks. She only got beat uh, six lengths in the grade one La Brea uh, just after Christmas uh, out on the West Coast, and then went to Houston and ran a very game third beaten only a length in the grade three Houston ladies classic. And then what was quite frankly, a public workout, um, at, uh, Mahoning Valley, uh, one off by nine lengths under, under wraps. Um, she could have controlling speed in this race. It, it could be very interesting, but, but I do think separation of powers just off her class edge is going to be awful tough to beat though. She's making her first start back. John, uh, <clears throat> Uh, in the interest of time, I'm not going to say too much because you covered just about everything I was going to say about Heaven Has My Nikki, who I think is very live in this race, especially as a, as a gambling proposition. People are going to look at all the other four all coming out of graded stakes, and they're going to see Heaven, Heaven Has My Nikki coming out of a two other than from Mahoning Valley, and I think they're going to dismiss her too quickly. Uh, that race at Sam Houston you referenced was excellent. I don't think she wants to go as far as that, so I think uh, Saturday's race is at a more suitable distance. And that third at Sam Houston, um, that was no, uh, that was no uh, crummy horse she was behind. Uh, she was no. one length behind Midnight Bisou. 
Yeah. So I, I'm with you on Heaven Has My Nikki in, in the vagrancy. Okay. Well, listen, again, uh, uh, with the clock ticking, let's go to the what we will call the big field, and that is the uh, grade one man of war, 700,000 on the line. Um, kind of an interesting field, you know, because this time of year, horses haven't raced a whole lot. Uh, we do know that Zulu Alpha is an extremely experienced horse uh, who's closing in on the half million dollar marks and is always right there. If he's not winning the race, he's in the photo. Uh, Javier Castellano replacing Irad Ortiz. Uh, but I think, you know, a, a sneaky horse in here could be the Irish bred uh, magic wand. Uh, John, I think this is a terrific race by far, not just because it has nine horses in it, but by far the best of the, of the four stakes at Belmont. I'm not a big Magic Wand fan, only because, and it's a filly against Colts, which I have no problem with, but she did get that big buyer in the Pegasus with only 112 pounds because she ran without Lasix, so she's going to have a little heftier package Saturday, and I also think that buyer from the Pegasus World Cup might have been a little inflated. Um, even bricks and mortar didn't run back to the number that was that was put up for that race. Uh, agree with you completely about Zulu Alpha. Um, the one horse I'll mention is Channel Maker. If you take out her races outside New York and just focus on uh, his races in New York. Uh, the record becomes four win, uh, four starts, two wins, one second with a rough trip fourth. Um, Channel Makers always seem like a different horse to me in New York, and though it's it's a race in which many can win, I think Channel Maker may be the best uh, from a gambling standpoint. Yeah, and the one that has the most 100-plus buyer figures in the field. Well, I want to talk to you about the short but uh, interesting race in the Peter Pan in that this race uh, over the years has had uh, some influence on the uh, Belmont Stakes. It has, and it could conceivably again this, this year. As far as I'm concerned, John, it's a three-horse race between the one, the three, and the five, Intrepid Heart, Global Campaign, Final Jeopardy, who ironically is a uh, Gary and Mary West-owned Jason Service trained horse, so the Silks would be looking mighty familiar on Final Jeopardy. I think the three of them are all going to be co-favorites. Global Campaign, to me, might be a little shaky at the mile and an eighth distance, though it is a short field, so who knows. I'll point out one little thing. Final Jeopardy had a rough trip in the wood last time. Throw that out. But before that, he beat Baracho in an allowance. Baracho uh, won on uh, Derby Day in the undercard, beating a horse named High Crime, who Intrepid Hart's been running with. So I'm going to give a slight edge to Final Jeopardy and, uh, and just say it's between Intrepid Hart and Global Campaign underneath. All right. Well, listen, Eric Wing, as you know, I always enjoy having you on the show. I really appreciate your insights into the uh, Derby debacle. And we'll see what shakes out down the road and which one of these horses really uh, rises to the top. I wish you uh, nothing but the best with uh, uh, your horse tourneys. And uh, I got a minute till close. So do you want to tell us real uh, quick, again, capsulize what's going on with horse tourneys in the next two weeks. Okay, well, um, we've got um, a full implement, a complement of tournaments. We have a, a big uh, NHC qualifier over at Horse Players, our sister site, 
on, on Friday for just $75. Saturday, we have another NHC qualifier, a, 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 uh, a $17,500 guaranteed tournament. And then Sunday is our really busy day. We have uh, two different $10,000 tournaments. We have a pick six jackpot tournament that's only $8 to enter um, and qualifiers for the big one, the Spawn Surf Showdown, which has been extremely popular, uh, the Santa Anita Preakness Challenge, the Monmouth Pick Your Prize Championship, which is coming up on June 1st, as well as the NHC and BCBC. So lots, lots of money to play for and lots of brick-and-mortar tournaments out there that you can qualify for for a fraction of the cost at horsetourneysandhorseplayers.com. All right. Looks like we're going to get out in time. We're heading towards that finish line. I want to thank my producer, Josh, Dr. Dr. Joe Politti, and Eric Wing. And I want to thank you for listening. Remember, tell your friends this show's on podcast. If for some reason they missed it, they can pull it back up and listen. There's plenty of time between now and Saturday. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.